The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Michael, you know I am, uh, I think in themes. I think in themes. And the theme for the A Block today is relationships. And we know that Daryl Morey and James Harden have had a long-standing relationship, which now that they're in this holding pattern since his trade request, uh, has deteriorated to the point of James Harden saying this this morning over in China. Daryl Morey is a liar. And I would never be a part of an organization that he's part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I would never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Thank you, man. couple of things about that. I like the TED talk uh, posture and I like the let me say that again. Okay, just just in case you missed it the first time. So a uh, couple of things, man. There's <laughs> so much to unpack about this. Um, yeah, you're right. There's a, a lie lot is, to unpack. You're a, right. <laughs> a, a lie is only as effective as you allow it to be. A lie is only effective if you believe it. And as my lawyer told me, a verbal agreement ain't worth the paper it's printed on. Let me say that again. Hmm. A verbal agreement ain't worth the paper it's printed on. So James Harden, you're the fool if you in fact took less money last year with a wink, nod, handshake agreement that Daryl Moore was gonna make it up to you on the back end, okay? You're the fool for believing that. Because Daryl Morey has already shown you who he is, shown you who he, who he is right. to other people, to other players. So why didn't you believe him when he showed you who he was? Oh, I know why. Because you thought you were special. Michael, I can speak from experience, okay? I don't care how much like family these executives make you feel. At the end of the day, it ain't personal, it's business. And James Harden... I had, I just had an experience like that the other day. Okay. James Harden should have better known better. <laughs> okay. He, like, like, like Antoine Rockamora should have better known better than to think that you taking less to help the Sixers out that a year later that Daryl Morey was going to make it up to you in the form of a, of a long-term max deal, which he allegedly wants. So that's where I'm at with James Harden, man. Ain't nobody got no sympathy for James Harden to say to say nothing of the fact that okay, you making this ultimatum. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of again. Who are you hurting exactly? Who are you hurting exactly? Like okay, so we know if we get James Harden, we'll get the league leader in assists per game in the regular season. But when it comes time 
to show up in the playoffs. We can't count on him. So you'll never be a part of our organization. Boo F and O. Last but not least, yeah. you want to be mad at somebody. Be mad at the Clippers. The team you say you want to go to. Clearly they stepped up to the plate because you've already compromised leverage by saying that's the team you want to play for. So James Harden could have avoided all of this if he would not have opted into his contract last year. Or excuse me, this offseason. This $35 million contract that he's making this year. Just be a free agent. Opt out. You had a player option. You chose to opt in thinking you were going to get traded to the place you wanted to go. You thought it was going to be one way, but it's the other way. And I'll shut up with that, Michael, because you know what? Hey, no, I, I know you've been. I, I know you've been laughing all morning. You know what, Because you've been telling me. You've been, you've been telling me about James Harden for how many years? <laughs> so that's all I gotta say. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but no, it, it ain't. But, but Mike, Mike, it's really not about you know, like, hey, I told you so with James Harden. But you did. Like, let me just but go behind the curtain. For I, I know I did. I know I did. I'm gonna go behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, for our loyal audience, our BFA people, and a lot of them are here on Martha's Vineyard. I told you about them. You were here, and I've run into a lot of just loyal fans who really appreciate the show. I've been following the show since day one, so thank you to those folks. But generally, Mike, I can tell where we were in the show based on the background. Like sometimes we will run, and in case you missed it, and it's got those plain backgrounds, I said, oh, that's before we got our graphics package in. Or I could see, uh, depending on the haircut that you have, or depending <laughs> on, on you know where, what the background is, what I'm wearing, I can tell what year it is. With James Harden, dog, I have lost track. I it's 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 all a blur with James Harden. When you ran, yeah, we just saw that with Sam Hammock. I don't know when that was. I was here in the vineyard, I guess. Like there's so many declarations and statements with Harden. I'm never gonna do this. I want out of here. We've had Houston Harden, we've had Brooklyn Harden, we've had Philly Harden, maybe back to Houston Harden, but they didn't want him. Maybe to the Clippers Harden, but as you pointed out, they weren't ready they to step up for enough. him. So, yeah. So, bro, like, what? I just don't understand what he's searching. It's an OKC thing. It, it really goes back to OKC. If you go back and do the when we do the documentary on. On uh, on Sam Presti in Oklahoma City, and we look at Russell, and we look at Harden, and we look at Durant. It's gonna be like it ain't just a basketball story. It's like a searching for meaning, spiritual journey thing. Like what are these dudes ultimately searching for? And the last thing I'll money. say for money. Harden and Phil in, in, in this case, is money. But ain't money. He got he got plenty. He got, he got he got plenty of money. It ain't just money. It wasn't money in Houston. It wasn't money in Houston. Money. He wanted out. Money. But he no, had, no, no. Okay, but, but, he I, got but I'm saying money, now. I'm saying. In, no, I'm saying in this instance, apparently, apparently, or maybe, or maybe it's the principle of the matter. I don't know. But again, I from what I understand, Daryl Morey said, "Take this discount so we can fill out this roster. We'll take care of you on the back end." Like you're a fool for believing that. And if okay, you're Daryl Morey, you'd be a fool for giving him the contract he wants. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But you know, and listen, listen, I. I I love going in on Harden, but there is a Daryl Morey aspect to this. I'm not sure what it is sure. yet. It will reveal itself. It'll come up. But in oh, the, he probably did it, lie he, to him. He probably yeah, yeah. did lie to him. I mean, I mean, but that's what they all do. That's all. That's what I'm saying. It's like that's, that's, you, that's your fault. Believing his lie. But you're right. Executives. It ain't personal. It's, it, it, it ain't personal. It's business. This is what they do. This is an introduction yeah. to corporate America. But 
if you think about it, that spot, that slot is cursed in Philadelphia. You oh, know, Ben Simmons said the same thing. You know, Daryl, I don't want to do that. So Ben Simmons said these things. Everybody was happy to get Ben Simmons out of there and get James Harden in. They're going to be happy to get Harden out, probably get somebody else in. It's twofold. I'd say 85% of the problem is Harden. Or maybe 75% is Harden. 25% is Daryl Morey. The way he is doing business is not good business. And he doesn't get a pass because he ain't done nothing to earn it. So I'm not going to give him a pass either. I'll put it all on Harden. I'll put most of it on Harden, but but Daryl Morey, he's got Darryl, some... But uh, Daryl uh, Morey ain't in China. In well, he'll never be in China, but Daryl Morey ain't Hey, we didn't wake up this morning to Daryl Morey saying James Harden is a fraud. James Harden is a regular season player when he feels like playing. James Harden in the playoffs will never show up when you need him. James Harden is about to run Joel Embiid out of town, and I don't want him to be a part of this organization. That's not what Daryl Morey got on camera and said this morning. That's not what we woke up to. We woke up to James Harden deciding to publicly call the general manager a liar, and he might be telling the truth about him being a liar. But... Again, what is your role in accepting and believing his lies? Again, Daryl Morey, James Harden hung the moon and the stars for Daryl Morey for years. From OKC, I mean, when he got him out of OKC to Houston all the way through. James Harden is a depreciating asset and a declining player, an aging player. So right. now, here's Daryl Morey looking out for Daryl Morey, which is what they all do. Let's pivot real quick. Let's get to a couple yeah, of more relationships. I think I was ahead of the game or ahead of my time when it came to what we uh, what we know it to be college football in 2023. Because I think it has something to do with me going to Loyola, New Orleans. With the time that I grew up in New Orleans, we didn't have the relationship with LSU that we did. I grew up rooting for Florida State, so I did love college football. Um, but I wasn't I didn't grow up in a college football hotbed the way you did in Ohio, rooting for OHIO, right? Um, but I know you have a special relationship with college football. My relationship with college football has always been, at least as an adult, through the prism of the NFL draft. More than it's been about the rivalries, the pageantry, conference supremacy, bragging rights, this, that, and a third. So I think, honestly, I was ahead of the game on that because... What the hell is college football now? And I would love to know what your relationship is with is with it now, given that it's not the Big Ten, but the Big Teen at this point. Uh, given that, like, I'm old enough to remember the Pac-8. Now it's the Pac-4. Or, you know, whatever's yeah. left of it is the Pac-4. I mean, I don't even, I can't, I can't even keep up with who plays where. There is no, obviously, yeah. geography is out the window, and it's not over. We might have Pacific Coast uh, teams, West Coast teams, and the Atlantic Coast Conference. I mean, the SEC may not be done. The aforementioned Florida State may leave the ACs. It's bananas, and it's sad. It's sad. And the thing that saddens me, the thing that incenses me, is that time and time again, we've known for years, Michael, we've written about it, we've preached about it, we've talked about it, so we blew in the face the hypocrisy of college sports, basketball and football primarily, for years. They come in with this name, image, and likeness stuff and, it's, and, and, and so, somewhat freedom with the transfer portal, okay? 
But that still ain't enough. That's crumbs. Because time and time again, these schools are looking out for themselves. And no matter how much the players can make by doing extra work, that's basically what name image and likeness is. You know, you got to do extra stuff to get it. Like, mm-hmm. no matter, it's, it's still not enough. It's still a drop in the bucket compared to the money that's being right. made at their expense and at the expense of what used to be appealing about the game. Now it's just the NFL's minor leagues, which it always was, but they're just more blatant with it now. It's just, it's way more on the open now. They're not even trying to pretend that this is amateur, that this is not big business. These are not employees. Because I'll be damned if, how you gonna call somebody who gotta hop a plane to play a conference game? How is that not an employee? That look like our job. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know what, Brian? I mean, but I think, I like the way you said it. I think you said it beautifully off the top that you had a different relationship with college football because of where you went to school and then the relationship between, you know, Loyola, or, or the lack of relationship between Loyola uh, of New Orleans and LSU and New Orleans and Baton Rouge and this a difference there, the, the gap there. Well, I've had a different relationship with college football too, but my relationship with college football is more of seeing it for what it is, what it always has been. Look, I knew this uh, years ago, uh, a brother uh, from Cleveland named Robert Smith. Played in the NFL. You probably played him in on Madden or, or Tecmo Bowl. Uh, Robert Smith for the Minnesota Vikings, great running back. But he left Ohio State early. Why did he leave Ohio State? Because they they were in conflict. He wanted to go to medical school. He wanted to study. He was studying pre-med. And Ohio State said to him, what are you doing? We don't want you to uh, go to your labs and mispractice. It has always been that at big time institutions and we kind of we knew it but we didn't speak about it out loud we didn't talk about it at parties right but now we do and i've always known it ohio state and and ohio state alabama georgia texas usc it's not about academics it's not about student athletes it's not about yeah having these kids get the greatest about other aid about other sports besides football at this point Money. It ain't about other sports even. It ain't about the athletic departments. It's about right. football at this point. Right. It's about football. It's about millions of dollars. It's about millions. And so I guess billions. I have I, I'd love to sit here and tell you, oh, it's a damn shame. And, and you know, I'm saddened by this. I'd be to be saddened by it, I'd have to be surprised by it. To be saddened by it, I'd have to say I never saw this coming. Um I didn't well, see do, it coming. Well, I don't know if we saw this coming, this extent. I mean this is this I is out of control. This coming. Yeah, the Pac-12. Okay. I didn't see this. I'm you, <laughs> it's crazy. I didn't see. I didn't see a conference dissolving. I never saw UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. Look, man. Right. I, I'm still having a hard time with Penn with State Texas and Oklahoma. In the Big Ten. Oh. Penn, State oh. there, Penn State's been there almost 30 years. <laughs> and well, I but still, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say Texas and Oklahoma. And the SEC doesn't seem as weird now. Like, <laughs> if we're gonna talk about Stanford and Cal, and the, you know, speculating about they may end up in the ACC, which I know that's on pause if not dead. It's like, okay, I guess geography just doesn't matter at this well, point. Um, but but why don't we just real quick? I'll say this: Why don't we? Yeah. And it's all be adults because adults are making these decisions, and so-called academics and scholars and provosts are signing off on it, and presidents and vice presidents. All these academic people 
with like a hundred, you know, uh, you know, PhDs, MDs, all this stuff, BA, you know, uh, BAs and MFA, all this stuff behind their names. These are academics. Why don't we all be grown ups and just sanction it all? Say it's Ohio State University, and this is our squad representing the university. We ain't pretending that it's really that they really student athletes. They just represent Ohio State, and, we, and it, it's good for them. They're getting exposure. It's good for us. We get money. And call it a dad. Stop the charade. It's not college sports. It's a professional. It's pretty much a professional operation. I'm not it's mad at absolutely it. Professional I'm not operation. mad at NIL. I, I, I'm not mad at any of this stuff. Just, just no, the, only, the only people I'm mad, but the only people I'm mad at is people who are part of the system who bitch and complain about NIL and the transfer window. The, the, the transfer window ain't wide enough. There, there's not enough NIL money. That's like that's like reparations. College football can't afford to pay players exactly what they deserve and what they owe. You know, over the decades and decades of exploitation, like it's just it's like NIL. It's, it's nothing, and yet you still got people complaining about what NIL and the transfer window have done to college football or college sports. When it's like, what do you mean? What have they done to college sports? Like the institutions, the NCAA, the universities, the conferences, the media rights deals. They spawned NIL and transfer windows. It's all you know, it's always it's 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 never it ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. That the rabbit even has the gun, but it's always okay when everybody else makes more money, but like that's that's all the part that still makes me mad. That even now, in like we 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 the era of NIL is in full effect. And yet we still got people that complain about it. Still got people that complain about it. Got the nerve to complain about it. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing to complain about. You know, like oh, this, this is a wide open system. And then you think about the criticism of NIL too. What they're saying, it needs to be policed. It's uh, you make up your own rules. It's unstructured. Well, it, isn't that exactly like the, like what's happening right do? now? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, maybe Stanford saw it coming. Maybe Cal saw it coming. But a couple of weeks ago, we had Stanford and Cal, and they had the Pac-12, and everything's good now. They're scrambling, and the ACC is saying we don't want them. You know, a couple of weeks right. we didn't think that Washington and Oregon, Washington and Oregon are going to the Big Ten now. I mean, UCLA and USC. I'm still trying to deal with that, but now so it that's is every it's team for themselves. Too. Every the team for themselves. Everybody for themselves. Amen. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Uh, in the immortal words of Boney T, first the fat boys break up, not this. There's nothing to believe in anymore. I mean, like, if you just set aside the white savior complex that was perpetuated by Sandra Bullock's The Blind Side to begin with, set that aside, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a decent little movie, you know? And, and Michael Orr was more than a decent tackle as Rita Hubbard, a.k.a. the NFL chick, knows it is time with the Ravens uh, in particular. Um, but now come to find out it was all a hoax. They made it sign some Britney Spears, con- what is it, conservator- conservatory, conservatorship? What'd you call yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you call it, Michael? It's a conservatorship. Conservatorship. All right. Conservatorship. I, sound like, I sound like old boy. I sound like old boy on Hard Knocks, char- charcuterie board. <laughs> to say uh, That's the right way to say it, as far as I'm concerned. By the way, <laughs> hey, I wasn't. I wasn't mad at it. I wasn't mad at it. Um, what was I say? Oh yeah. And then he didn't make any money, no royalty, off the film. I mean, it's just. But he, he claims to have just fi- learned about this, and their relationship deteriorated. So we're talking about relationships in this show today, reading what you know all about. Given your relationship with the Ravens, what'd you think of this story when you heard it? This is crazy, but it I'm not surprised. I don't know if that makes sense. It's it's crazy, but I'm not surprised, right? I mean, from my understanding of what I remember, Michael Orr was never really um, on board with how they portrayed him in the movie to begin with when it first came out. Yeah, yeah, he he didn't like the whole unintelligent thing. And remember in the movie, they had the little boy teaching him how to play football using cans on the table. Well, he was playing football allegedly when they met him already. So that was all you can already tell that that was a a Hollywood spin that they put on it, which I can completely understand in terms of him feeling some type of way about being portrayed as unintelligent and not knowing how to play football. But then you hear these stories now coming out about, you know, the conservatory ship. And the movie rights, which allegedly they were two different documents, but the allegedly the same lawyer was used for both the conservatorship as well as the movie rights being uh, him signing away from his movie rights. So basically, Michael Orr has been played. And it's really sad and unfortunate that these people have used him to come up and and portray these guys as being oh the white saviors that you mentioned already Mike and then really to be some scumbags they just a bunch of scumbags they owe that man a lot of money because they used his name they used his likeness and I don't know how you can sleep at night doing this and not giving that young man a dime he owe they owe him a lot of money he's not even a member of the family Michael he's not he was not in the well he was not adopted nope that's the thing. That's the thing that gets me more than anything, because they really wounded him uh, financially and emotionally. Because the conservatorship, you know, really what it is, and a lot of times 
it is used and, and a lot of people know about it from Britney Spears, but really it's, it's in a lot of cases, it's used to help somebody who can't help themselves. Yep. Whether that person is a minor or whether that person uh, is an elder who has kind of lost, um, you know, like lost the ability to, to function on a day to day. It's not like they're totally, you know, incapable of making decisions, but for big decisions and to protect them from being taken advantage of. That's the whole purpose of it, to protect those who can't protect themselves. And they flip this around. I, mean, I think it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah, I know. I, you know, Rita and Mike, it's heartbreaking that Michael Orr recently found out that he was not a part of the family. Yeah. He always thought they adopted him. And to find out, not only did they not adopt him, but everybody else in the family is getting paid. They're all getting paid on, on just base oh, level. Story. Okay, just the base level compensation, $225,000 a piece for everybody yeah. in the family except for him. Like, I, yeah. they, can, they, they, can, they can lawyer us. They can talk about, well, you guys don't understand the nuance and the, you know, and this, the complexity of the entire situation. Explain that to me. Why did everybody else get $225,000, 2.5% of the royalties of the net proceeds, and my brother ain't getting nothing? Not a dime. And there's so no... There's no way that you can sit here and make excuses. I don't care about you saying, well, we made, we did this the legal way and all of these things. Where's the morality factor into all of this? And that's the part that right. I have a real problem with. You you allegedly were there to take care of this young man and right. really you did nothing for him. You, As far as I'm concerned, you acted like you were adopting him. You didn't do that. You acted like you were in his best interest. You didn't do that. So what exactly were you there for? And I don't care sure. what... Useless that you have. I don't give a damn about anything that you have to say about that. What you did was wrong out of line. And the fact that he just found this out allegedly six months ago in February, he didn't even know how this went so long without him not knowing. I, I'm I'm confused about that, but hey, the truth will set you free. Now he knows, and I hope that they get a whole bunch of backlash about this. I hope they. I don't think this will happen. They probably won't do the right thing because they don't sound like good people. But I hope they no. do the right thing and give this man the money that he deserves because you used him to make a whole book and movie about him, and he didn't get to see a dime for it. The 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 saviors turned out to to be out in in, in it to screw him. It's it's. I mean, I, I was, I was blown I away when out? I saw that. Yeah, Can I throw this go ahead. We're gonna, we gonna, we gonna, yeah, we're gonna and move I, on. I, and, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering here how we feel about it. This is a guy that I've, that I've interviewed before. I have a lot of respect for him. So we're talking about the movie. We keep talking about the movie, mm-hmm. and I know the movie was brought up in the lawsuit. The book. But the, the movie was based off of Michael Lewis's oh, best-selling book. book. And Michael, right. Lewis, and Michael Lewis. Is, is a is a terrific writer. I have a lot of respect for his writing ability and his reporting. Is there any should should we be talking about him too? Possibility there. Should we be talking yeah, about? Yeah, sure. Anybody I mean, that like, perpetuated this story? Yes. That's Anybody right. That that's story? right. Perpetuated. Yes. He brought the story. We didn't know about Hollywood. Didn't know about right. the story until Michael Lewis. Right. Wrote about it. He wrote about it. So Michael Lewis, he got a best selling book. He got paid. Michael Lewis got paid. Right. Filmmakers no, got I, paid. I said perpetuated their story. I should say perpetuated the the family story, which was the lie that they yep. that they adopted him. Um, all right, let's get some positive Ravens news. All right, Rita, since you're here, uh, J.K. Dobbins 
off PUP. That relationship seems strained as he's looking for a contract. But as as the Ravens and Commanders uh, set to engage in joint practices this week, I want to talk to you because I saw Lamar Jackson the other day rave okay. about the relationship between him and Todd Munkin. Uh, and I know at one point you were on and we were talking about uh, OC when, when Greg Roman was gone, OC for Lamar Jackson. Uh, we talked about whether it was maybe the enemy at one point, left which when he got let go, ended up being uh, getting Todd Munkin from Georgia. But we're a long way away from Lamar Jackson asking to be traded and that relationship looking like it was ruined between him and the Ravens to now he seems to really be in a great place in terms of his ownership of this offense, the weapons they've given him, um, the freedom he now has uh, to direct the offense. I'm wondering what you expect to see out of him this year, not at the contract situation is in his rear view. Um, when it comes to his development and, and advancement as a passer, and really even just this week against in joint practices with a, with a pretty good commander's defense. And I want to talk about the commanders as well with you. But yeah, Lamar I first. mean, I definitely think that this will be a great practice for him because the uh, front four for the commanders are really good with Montez Sweat and Chase Young. So this will be a good test. Now, that offensive line for the Ravens is pretty good, but they're still trying to solidify the left guard situation. So it could get a little tricky with what they have on the other side from the commanders. But this will be a great test for Lamar and that offense. I do think that Lamar is definitely getting the keys to the car, not only from the Ted, uh, the Todd Monken perspective, because, of course, you know, now he has an offensive coordinator that will allow him to use his passing skills, but also from a political perspective, right? I mean, I think that we can all agree that when a guy gets paid a lot of money, they're not going to be like, we just want you to run the ball. We're, we're going to be a running offense. No, there's going to at least be some balance there at minimum, right? So I think now that you have that, you definitely have better pass catchers. What I saw from Zay Flowers uh, in the first preseason game, it, it oh, doesn't sound man. much on paper, but the guy, they couldn't stop him. He had uh, a pass interference drawn um, in his for him, and he also had a holding drawn um, from the defender, and he's a good blocker. So it, it's really fun to see that. We know what Odell can do when he's healthy. I'm just interested to see how this offensive line can hold up against the commander's front four and how these wide receivers are going to look down the field. So that, that that should be fun. The running game is going to be what it's going to be. They're always going to be always. good. They, they do very, very well in that regard. But the passing game should be a fun matchup to see how they fare well, particularly in the line of scrimmage. Michael, at the combine, I got to interview Zay Flowers. Fell in love with that kid. I can see why the Ravens love him. You know how I feel about that organization anyway. Zay Flowers was right in your backyard, bro. He wasn't, he wasn't no secret to you where he was balling out for B.C. Joystick. But look, I, That's I'm they call him. Yeah, yeah. And here's the other thing. This other thing. He's he's great. He's going to be great for the Ravens because you know he had he, he had to overcome a lot. And I, I'm not even talking about his personal story. I'm just talking about on the field playing at Boston College, where it is not a great situation. He, they've never had a first round wide receiver if, ever in their history. He was a first uh, wide receiver drafted in the first round from Boston College. They had quarterback issues last year. They had offensive issues. And he still balled out when they knew, defenses knew, that they didn't have much else to worry about outside of him. So he is going to be a great receiver for the Ravens. I really believe that. And it's a shame, the Patriots, who can't draft a wide receiver, if you took the Patriots, <laughs> Pro Football Hall of Fame, and said, these are Hall of Fame receivers, and here are their traits, they still wouldn't be able to draft a wide receiver. 
But still, the dude was right up the road at Boston College, yeah. and they didn't take him. So I think they'll. They uh, I think up. they'll. Re- Hey, listen, listen, as somebody who, you know, is very uh, knowingly uh, knowledgeable of the Ravens organization, I am very used to this because remember, Stephon Diggs was right down the street at Maryland. So we've seen them pass on guys all the time. Now they just understand that they can't do that anymore. And in order to win in the NFL, they got to get some wide receivers. So I think that that's how Zay Flowers fell into their lap in this regard. So let's, uh, before we let you go, I probably should have led with this because this is a deeper conversation that we got time for. Um, a, Michael knows this. I've loved Sam Howell since he was at North Carolina. I can't wait to see what he does this year. Like what I saw from him this past weekend in, in limited preseason action. But the commander's yeah. angle that I like to talk about with the two of you guys because we've been gone for a minute. So we got to rewind for a second. Michael, I know you peeped this. This whole Ron Rivera volunteering that Eric B. Enemy. You know, some of the players, some of the players are their feelings and Kush and Avery and just upset because it's a little too intense and, and harsh. It's like, what have y'all done? What have any of you done in D.C. to complain about somebody coming from Kansas City? You know, when they re- reinvent offense in Kansas City and try to tell you how to do it better, Rita. Like... I, like this, this Eric Bieniemy stuff just knows no bounds, and I feel I, like if it weren't yeah. Eric Bieniemy, if he hadn't been discredited by so many people, whether it's the process or people like Lashawn McCoy, I don't think players would feel emboldened enough to bitch and complain about, God forbid, somebody coaching them hard. I thought it was professional football. I tweeted when this came out, I said, I don't know which one is worse. The fact that the guys are complaining or the fact that Ron Rivera actually told the media that this whole thing went down or the fact that the players didn't feel comfortable enough to tell Eric Bieniemy himself and went to Ron Rivera. Because first and foremost, y'all are grown men. And I thought that you could be able to go to another grown man. So I'm confused as to how that was able to happen. Also, I'm trying to understand how you are not taking in what you get from uh, Eric Bieniemy, who has won two Super Bowls in Kansas City. That is beyond me. Thirdly, Ron Rivera, uh, as for, from a media perspective, thank you for the information because it gives us something to talk about, but you really should not be telling us in-house business, and you know better. So then you try lot. to clear it up. Then you try to clear it up the next day and it made it worse than it did the, the first day. So I don't understand why you've already been a losing franchise. Then you turned around and said, oh, my players are complaining about this guy who came from a winning franchise and he wants to pl- do this, do things this way. What does it and say then about like, this? Is a mess. All of this is a mess. All of this yeah. is a mess. I hope that these new owners find a way to shift all this BS out of here and clean the slate. Cause this is ridiculous. Rita, you're so smart. You're so smart. You're so good. Cause you said, uh, you, said a couple, uh, you know what? I, I'm putting some more money in the plate here. Cause you had a couple good preaching points. I'm going to agree with, I'm going to put a little more, more in the offering. So look, you said he knows better. Ron Rivera knows better. And you're right. He does know better, which leads me to think he did it on purpose. Oh, because he's insecure. He's insecure about Eric Bieniemy coming in, Ooh. who's head coaching material. But, he's but, head coaching material. But wasn't, but wasn't a, that his partly his call? Well, we don't know. 
We don't yeah, know who's I mean, calling I don't, I, it felt, I felt, It felt like he knew he had to get somebody with credibility on that side of the ball. Because his, his job, but his job maybe, is on the line to your point, though, Michael. Yeah. Is, especially with new owners. I was going to say, and, and even if it had been his call, even if it was his call months ago, he comes yeah. in, he sees a guy oh, right. with champ, right, with, with like, <laughs> with, with like a champion championship aura he around see it, him. He see it how it's done. Once yeah. You win a championship, yeah. It's all in all sports. Once you win a championship and you go into a situation that is not ready, Michael. You know what we're talking about? Corporate America. You know what I'm talking about? Once you've been somewhere and then you go to an operation that is substandard, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is not how we do this here. This is how it's supposed what, to look. Wait a minute. Why is he coming in? Why is he coming in later? Well, why did I told him to run 10 and out? Why is he going 12? Why did, why did right. he break his short? All this stuff is a detail-oriented, tough coach. The nerves to be and paying Rob attention Rivera, to detail. Right. He knows better. He knows better. So he said it. Not in a moment of weakness. I think he said it because maybe he's a little annoyed by it, or maybe he's insecure. Being and he doesn't like mm-hmm. Might be. Might be. I like that thought Might process. Be. I like that. Might be, but how, how, how's that lack of intensity? How's that worked out for him? Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Well, how far that got them? Rita, thank you so much. We appreciate you. All right, guys. See you soon. All right, Rita. Five NFL coaches and seven front office executives helped our man Mike Jones from The Athletic assemble a top 25, under 25 list. Now, granted, you have to be 25 or younger before week one, and rookies are also ineligible. So there's a look at the list. You notice the New York Jets got two of the top 10, Quentin Williams and Sauce Gardner. Uh, how the hell Jalen Hurts is number eight, and the second quarterback wow. is beyond me, Michael, okay? Um, and, you know, just in terms of the rest of the list, I think Devontae Smith is criminally underrated at number 18. And running backs, of course, get no love. 
Uh, Josh Jacobs, who's still just 25, is 17. Uh, and Jonathan Taylor is 23. He's 24. Running backs getting no love, but that's no news to you, Michael. We love it when Connor Rogers is here. Connor was good. Great Connor. shirt. Love it. Garrett Wilson, the only young Jet that's not on that list. Uh, but let's stay with the Jets, though, man, because loved the first episode of Hard Knocks. Um, found myself, like, just enjoying the character's company, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It just it was, it was like, I like this team. I can get behind this team. Uh, how are you feeling, not just how the Jets look on paper, not just what you know about the Jets from the people you talk to, but watching them from an access perspective with HBO's Hard Knocks, like how are you feeling about the Jets' ability to meet, if not potentially exceed, some of the hype? Well, it's great to see you guys, and always good when we jump right back into uh, the darlings in New York right now. Listen, the baseball is not pretty. The Jets are on hard knocks, and you're right. There is such a fine line here because this was a team that did not make the playoffs last year. They've, you know, really struggled. They have the longest playoff drought in all of the professional sports right now, tied with the Sabers of the main four sports. So. It's weird that we're now accelerating the conversation, but that's what happens when Aaron Rodgers is in town and it feels like there is a window. People get obsessed with that term, but it's true. When a guy is approaching 40 years old at the quarterback position, he came to the Jets to win. He basically, I'm sure the destinations for Rodgers weren't going to be this long list, but we saw him come out and explicably say, listen, I want to play for the New York Jets. That's my intention. So I think there's a lot to unpack here. Number one, they have a very deep pass rush group, and they have it comes out in waves. They've had a lot of first-round picks in that group. We saw Quinn and Williams, one of them right there. They have Carl Lawson on a big free agent deal, but they've also drafted a lot of talent over the years that they think they need those guys to compete in the AFC against the Lamar Jacksons, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrows of the world. I mean, the amount of star quarterbacks in the AFC – is really where it starts for the Jets. So do I think this is a Super Bowl team? I think that's become a little bit exaggerated. They have a lot to prove. They need an offensive line to stay healthy and gel. They need Rodgers to, it's crazy to say bounce back, but it wasn't his best year last year. They need a lot of young players to continue growing, and I think they will. But do I think they're going to be a really tough out and one of the most competitive teams in the AFC with what they have now at the quarterback position, paired with that young defense and playmakers? Absolutely. Michael, I'm seeing iron sharpening iron in New York. What, how are you feeling the Jets? That offense, that uh, defense. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm feeling the Jets, but when you say iron sharpening iron, it kind of leads to the question I have for Connor, and that is, this is going to sound strange, but their starting quarterback is, is 39 years old, I believe, and Rodgers, and we know what he is. is we, know, we know about his Hall of Fame talent and all that. I think the Jets have the best quarterback room in the division, if not in the conference, because Zach Wilson, I know it's preseason, I know it's preseason, but Zach Wilson uh, in a quarterback room with Aaron Rodgers, no pressure on him to get it done this year at the beginning of the season. Now, he may come in because, you know, who knows? Rodgers, with an injury, I know he missed some games last year and Jordan Love was in there. But he may be asked to step up, and I just like the combination, and I like the relationship between right? Rodgers and Wilson. And, this, and Rodgers started like that before he got it. to the Jets. <laughs> yeah, I like how they're vibing. I think if you could salvage Zach Wilson, this was the best possible situation for him, right? He has a long road ahead of him. 
He's already begun to take baby steps. We've seen him look a little bit more calm and composed behind the scenes when you get to see uh, obviously hard knocks and a lot of access footage. And then also throughout the preseason so far where baby steps, right? It's the preseason. You never want to overreact. But the relationship with Rodgers, this is the quarterback that he idolized growing up. You can see that he wants to play like him. Obviously, everything Rodgers says is going to hit a little different for Zach Wilson and how he can kind of emulate him on the field running Nathaniel Hackett's offense. So it's going to be really interesting if Zach Wilson has to get them through a tough patch at some point this year. I mean, the reality is quarterbacks in their late 30s, all quarterbacks, they get banged up. I mean, we see it with young quarterbacks all the time. Uh, we see Joe Burrow, you know, is he going to be ready for week one? Jalen Hurts missed some time last year. Lamar Jackson missed some time. Justin Herbert got, you know, sawed in half at one point with the with the rib injury. It just happens to these guys. So I think this is a way bigger story than anyone's made it out to be. It's, it's fun right now to talk about the Jets defense is awesome. They're loaded with young talent. Rodgers is here. The, the, the mood is really just immaculate right now. But Zach Wilson being the number two, them passing on that veteran market in a year where they pushed all their chips to the table – this preseason and how he performs exactly. and how he reacts to everything is massive. Well, but I want to, Michael, it's crazy how we're watching something from afar, not talking about it, but seeing the same thing. And that's that relationship between Rodgers and Wilson that we're talking about, because I want to extrapolate it to look across the league. And it's just like, okay, Wilson was the number two pick and looked like, you know, everybody wanted just to get rid of him. They said, no, they, what was it? Uh, Robert Sala talked about instant coffee society last year. It's like, no, we're going to develop this kid. We're not giving up on him yet. Then you see Trey Lance, who has just had the worst luck of anybody. Maybe he can't play, but he certainly hasn't had a real opportunity to, to develop in, the, in this day and age that we live in. So I look at Trey Lance's struggles in San Francisco. I look at Zach Wilson, and I think about how development of quarterbacks, guys, as y'all know, is just not linear. Because then you look at the rookie quarterbacks that played this weekend. We didn't see a whole lot from him. Bryce Young didn't play a whole lot, took a bunch of hits. Uh, Anthony Richardson threw a pick. C.J. Stroud, your man, Michael, Michael Holly, he, he threw a pick. It's like, I don't know. Pa patience is out the window with a lot of these guys, but I love what's happening with Zach Wilson because it's just an example of like, you know what? Sometimes it's just, it, it's not straight and narrow. As Geno Smith, going back to the Jets, it's not straight and narrow for all these quarterbacks. They rarely, if ever, hit the ground running. Was spoiled by the Burroughs and the Herberts and so on and so forth. Hell, Trevor Lawrence looked like he, he was a terrible under Urban Meyer a year ago. Right, Michael? Lawrence, or two right. years ago? Yep. Trevor Lawrence. Perfect, perfect example. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like it. I like what the... Uh, I like what the, the, the teams are doing now. See, I think the difference, you mentioned uh, Trevor Lawrence, and I want to get your take on this, Connor, uh, real quick. Michael, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. He had Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer was not patient with him, but Doug Peterson uh, was and is and, and got the results from, from uh, Lawrence last year. I like what Frank Reich is saying uh, about Bryce Young. I like what they're saying about C.J. Stroud. I like Anthony Richardson uh, uh, in Indianapolis. They, they started from day one saying it's going to be a struggle, but we, we that's a part of the process. He needs right. to do it. Right. Who's it? I guess the question is, who's more impatient? Is it the fans or is it the coaching staffs? You it's know, the like fans? In, in general, who's Connor, more impatient? Connor, it's, it's, it's the fans and it's the owner that be listening to the fans that won't give the coaching staff <laughs> the leeway to develop these quarterbacks, right? 
Yeah, that's the big issue at hand is that some of these quarterbacks, the organizations move heaven and earth to go get them like Trey Lance, right? The amount they gave up to get him. And he's not the only one. This happens every single year. Uh, and then you obviously have a situation where the owner's hearing that and the fan base is clamoring for it and they want to put butts in the seats. And then that makes an accelerated process. So it is such a fine balance. You have gms that don't want to risk getting fired before their guy ever takes a snap or ever takes a snap where he's comfortable and competent so the nfl has become at quarterback specifically a superhero world where you expect guys to save these franchises that are uh, really really swimming upstream and you know you look at jacksonville you look at the jets you look at the bears you look at the niners you know, they've all been through it and it's it's not going to go away, but there might be something to the draft and stash idea going forward. Yeah. Hey, Connor, I'm usually the one getting asked this. I need a T-shirt plug, dog. <laughs> I need to, I need to know we got but both of y'all brought it. I need a, I need a T-shirt plug. Michael, I'm peeping the, the, the Fela as well. I'm not your man, but that blitz shirt. That's hard. Yeah. I like that, Connor. Yeah, it's a homage, man. They killed the blitz series. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. A belated happy 50th birthday to hip-hop. Um, I don't know a world without hip-hop. I'm younger than hip-hop. Hip-hop is like oxygen to me. Uh, I yeah. am hip-hop. Um, I can't distinguish the this country or this world's institutions or industries or individuals from hip-hop. It's, it's so much a part of our society both in in ways obvious and, and more subtle um but man i like you know and it's, it's at the center of our relationship like you're one of the smartest dudes i'm not bullshitting you i'm not blowing smoke like you was you wise about a lot of things but like i've always appreciated your your opinion and your knowledge of music and and you and i've experienced hip-hop together over the last 20 plus years i'll, I'll ask you this oh before we go this is a whole podcast in and of itself. I ask you this before we go. How would you describe your relationship with hip-hop and how has it evolved to where it is today? Yeah, answer that in a minute and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, you're like, no, no chance, no chance. You're going you're gonna to have to have me on your podcast uh, to continue this. But it's, uh, in a word, immersive, um, all-encompassing relationship with it. It's 50 but for me, I remember where I was in some of the great moments in the history of, uh, of hip-hop. Rapper's Delight, uh, 
Public Enemy, Eric D and Rakim, KRS-One, you know, like some of the some of the people really just kept growing it. Run DMC kept growing it. And so what hip hop has done for me, uh, Mike, and you talk about our relationship, it's a big part of it. What hip hop has done for me is make me appreciate writing, make me appreciate mm-hmm. poetry, lyrics even more, and uh, make me more curious, and has made me more curious about storytelling, from the, the art of storytelling to some of the topics. Like Public Enemy was talking about Coltrane. Public Enemy was talking about Asada Shakur. Yeah. Public Enemy was We've talking learned. about prison industrial complex right so before these what we've were learned puppets. what we've learned how we dress how we speak how we think everything influenced by hip-hop everything it's, it's touched the every sector of our society love of my life the things that hip-hop is hip-hop. and the things that we criticize it too hip-hop you the love of my life love it Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.